loving God, modeling Christ, and serving others. This is the Hope for Macomb podcast. Just before the message today, I asked my friend Mike Matruda to come on up here. He's going to share us a beautiful story about his mom. Some of you know the story well. Uh, she was a praying mom, if there ever was one. And that story has touched my heart for many, many years. I had the privilege of knowing her, I guess, about 25 years. That's but probably you, right. you were even longer than me. So thanks for sharing from your heart today. It's a great segue into the life of Hannah, who was a woman of prayer, too. Okay, well, happy Mother's Day to all the ladies. I know as I was uh, walking into the church uh, this morning, I said happy Mother's Day to Chelsea, even though she's not really a mother, but she says, I am a mother, but it's the four-legged version of a child that I'm a mother too. So she, uh, she did that. I was also trying to think of how I could say happy Mother's Day in German, and I don't talk very much German. My mother was German, and I think it's Freilige Muttitag. How's that? Is that pretty good? Someone said not right, but it's okay. It's acceptable. So uh, I know that sometimes I uh, drive around and I see some signs that say, uh, show your mother that you li really love her by going to church on Mother's Day. So looks like we got about an average crowd, so most of you must already come uh, every Sunday, but there might be some that uh, are here just for Mother's Day. Here's my definition of a mother. She works 20 hours a day, Okay, she doesn't complain about how hard she has to do or how hard she has to work, and she does it all for free with a lot of love. Now that's a mother, okay, that's my definition. I didn't read that anywhere, but I think it's a good one. Because my mother was actually my hero. Uh, she was not a saint by no means, but she was a godly woman. And I think uh, I was blessed by having her as my parent, and uh, she certainly had a great influence uh, on my life. Uh, my ma, she died about four years ago. She uh, died just before her 88th birthday. And uh, for a while I was sad, and I uh, realized that uh, she was gone, and I missed her. But uh, as George said in his prayer, uh, actually she's living a much better life than I am right now. She's in the presence of Jesus, and she's uh, with the saints of years ago. So I look forward when my life gets better, and I'm gonna be able to uh, enjoy some time with her and others who are waiting for us uh, in heaven. Now my mother was a uh, very honest and direct person. She'd say uh, something like, like this, Mike, uh, you look very nice in your suit today. And I'd say, thank you, Mom. And then she'd say, you'd look a lot better if you lost about 10 pounds. So you see, that was kind of how she did it. She complimented you, and then she got that zinger in there. And uh, some people will say, I'm a little bit like that. You know, I compliment, and then I sometimes get a little direct. But the Bible says a lot of things about uh, women uh, in the Bible, and I think George is going to talk uh, today about uh, Hannah. But I uh, want to read just a couple of verses from Proverbs 31, which talks about a wife and a noble mother. And uh, then I want to tie some of those thoughts to my own mother. So here you go. If you got your Bible, Proverbs 31, and we're going to look at verses 10 and 12, and then 26 and 30. All right, so here we go. A wife of noble character who could find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. And then we'll jump to verse 26. She speaks with wisdom 
and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So she's not lazy. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So that's really the ideal or perfect woman. Now I can't say that my mother had all of these characteristics, but she had very many of them. And uh, this scripture basically says a lot of things, but as I looked at it, I had a few things come to mind. One, the woman is of great character. Two, her value is priceless, more than rubies. She cares for her family. It's really her priority and her mission. That's what her goal in life is, is to care for her family. And she is wise and teaches others with kindness. And then she fears and honors the Lord. Now there's probably a lot more in there, but uh, those things came to mind as I uh, looked at that scripture. And uh, my mother was actually a lady of high integrity, and uh, that's how she lived her life. And integrity is something you have to earn, and it's kind of what you do when no one's looking. Uh, I'm not always the greatest at that. I'm good when someone's looking, but sometimes when someone's not looking, it might not be that uh, great of integrity. But here, uh, I think, is important right here, is that the passage talks about wisdom and how a wise mother leads her family. Now my mother, she only made it through the eighth grade. And you know, back in the time of World War II, kids had to go to work fairly early. There was danger, people were fleeing their homes. So she wasn't really that well educated. But I could tell you this, she spoke five languages at least, maybe more, but I know she talked German, Russian, Polish, Ukrainian, and English, and she could actually speak and read all of those. That's pretty amazing. I think that uh, shows some pretty good wisdom. Now, she did emphasize for me, I have a brother and a sister, that we needed to prioritize education. And uh, believe it or not, when we were in elementary school, every semester, my mother would invite all the teachers to our house for dinner. Okay, so you could just imagine, we had a parent-teacher conference right at the dining room table, okay? And I was kind of scared because my citizenship marks were very high because I didn't want any of those teachers coming to my house and saying uh, things that my mother didn't want to hear. So that's uh, what she did. She also uh, was a very hard worker. It says in that passage that uh, the lady or the mother wasn't idle. And uh, even though my mother wasn't uh, all that educated, she worked very hard. Not very glamorous jobs. I mean, she was a maid, she cleaned houses for people in Gross Point, she was a cook. So not glamorous jobs, but sometimes she'd work jobs just to make ends meet. And I asked her one time, I said, Mom, why is it that you work so hard? And she said, well, I really want your life and Alex, my brother and sister Maria, to be a little better than mine. And if that means I gotta work hard, I'm willing to do it because that's really what I wanna see for you. So that was her motivation. And uh, she never really accumulated much wealth in life. 
Um, you know, she lived comfortably. I actually, we grew up fairly poor because uh, my dad died when I was, uh, before I was a teenager and we lived in the inner city of Detroit, but I actually thought I had a good life. Always had a good meal, she was a great cook, uh, but she never really was that interested in accumulating wealth. Part of it is she understood this concept. Uh, when the game of life is over, and it's gonna be over for all of us, the toys and the pieces of the game, they go back in the box, okay? There was a Sunday school class that was on that topic, and she actually prioritized a couple things. One, she felt that memories and relationships are what mattered. Those pass on and continue even after your life comes to an end. So those were a couple things that she thought were very good. Now, let me share a couple stories about her hard work that I thought were actually uh, kind of humorous. But uh, one is when she was a little older, she asked to move out of the house that she lived in Sterling Heights. She said, it's too big for me. So we put her in a senior apartment. And uh, one day she calls me, she says, Mike, you gotta come and you gotta come right now. And I said, what's wrong? She says, I'll tell you when you get here. So I drive there and I get there and she has her windows on the floor. Okay, the windows from the apartment she took out. She was cleaning them and now she couldn't put them back in. And I said, hey mom, you're living in an apartment. They do this for you here. You don't have to do it. She's up there. Michael, you cannot tell me what they do is clean, okay? They don't, they sprinkle a little water on it, a little soap, but they don't scrub that dirt off like I do. And I thought it was important for me to do that. And so I had to call the janitor because I'm not the most handy guy, so I couldn't get those windows back in either, but we did do that. Then the other uh, story, I remember she was uh, probably 85 or 86. We had her at the town village, which uh, is a senior uh, assisted and independent living place. So at four in the morning, she calls me up. She says, Mike, you gotta come over. I'm not feeling well. I think I gotta go to the hospital. So I rush over there and I get the wheelchair from the lobby and I take it up to her room and I put her in the wheelchair and I'm gonna wheel her to my car. And she says, Mike, stop. We can't go yet. I said, well, what's wrong? She said, you haven't made the bed. I said, I haven't made the bed. She said, yeah, what would people think about me if they came into my room while we're at the hospital? And I said, oh my goodness. And the true story is I had to make it twice because the first time wasn't good enough, believe it or not. So it was bad, but uh, <clears throat> the other thing that the passage uh, talks about is that the uh, mother fears, which I really think is respects and uh, honors God. So my mother did two things quite well. She gave very good spankings and she was a very good prayer. So she was a prayer warrior. I'm just thankful that she gave less spankings than she prayed because I think I got enough of them over the years, but uh, she was a good uh, prayer. And the one thing that happened to me, and this is the story that Pastor George referred to, is uh, when I was small, I would sometimes wake up at night and I'd start wandering through the house looking for either a cookie or some milk or something to get me back to sleep. And I would many times find my mother on her knees praying out loud. And this had a great uh, impact on me. And what, she, what would she be praying about? She'd be praying about how God blessed our family and she was thankful for that. But most of all, she prayed by name for my brother, my sister, and me. 
And she would want God to watch over us, that he would help us uh, with our challenges and problems. And she also prayed that she could be a good mother to us. So that was uh, something that really impacted me. And even to this day, uh, my prayer life, uh, I think, is a little better because of the role model and the example that she was for me. The other thing that happened is as I got a little older, and I'd go visit her by myself, she'd actually ask me to pray with her. And that was really a privilege uh, and honor. And I must say, most of the time, after I finished praying with her, uh, I was actually feeling much better, okay? I was supposed to be there to support her, but the opposite uh, really happened. So, in any event, uh, I... uh, could say a lot more, but I, what am I, about 10 minutes over already? But uh, in, in any event, uh, I'm blessed with a mother who really cared for me. She was a spiritual role model for me, and I really praise God uh, for that. Uh, if I had more time, I'd talk about my wife, Lily, who I think's a great mother uh, to my kids. Uh, she's not here today, she's sick, so uh, I really won't say anything. I'll wait till she's here to, to do that. But, uh, you know, we're grandparents now. We have three grandchildren, and I believe that being a grandparent is God's reward to parents for not disowning and getting rid of their children when they're teenagers, okay? So you kept them in those bad years, and so now you could become a, a grandparent. I know, uh, and this, this isn't really a true story, but I'll make it sound like one, But because uh, it's kind of a nice story. Uh, you know, Caleb comes over to eat, and uh, Jason and Allison say, hey, Caleb, do you want to pray for food today? And he says, no, we don't need to pray. Oma is a good cook, okay? So that, that, that's kind of a cute little story. It really didn't happen, but I thought I'd throw it in there. It deals with prayer. So I'm going to stop now. I got, I'm going to challenge you with three things, okay, as I uh, wrap things up. Because I know some of you might have a strained relationship with your wife or with your mother. Uh, Or you might have a great relationship with your wife or mother or daughter or whoever it might be. But I'm gonna tell you three things that I think you could do that's gonna make that relationship even better. So the first thing that I think is uh, pretty important, and it's really hard for men, because we've been conditioned to not show our feelings, okay? That's how we're conditioned, and it's not good, but it's true. But you have to tell your wife that you love and appreciate her every day. Now, I'm gonna take an informal poll. How many women here are annoyed because your husband or your children tell you too often that you're loved and appreciated? See, now if Lily was here, she might have raised her hand. Actually, that's not true. She doesn't think I I do that very well. So you got to tell them you love and appreciate it and do it in a sincere way. The second thing you got to do is you got to pray for your uh, wife or your mother because that's what it's all about. And you got to pray that God will help her with her challenges. You got to pray to thank God for giving her to you. And I think that's something you got to build into your daily prayer. And then the last thing that I think you need to do is you got to treat her like it's Mother's Day, 360. 
365 days out of the year. So if you're going to do something nice for your mother today because it's Mother's Day, do that every day. Okay, she's going to appreciate it, and uh, it's how you should actually treat her. So that's all I have to share. Uh, the good news is that these three things cost no money. Okay, so you frugal guys out there, no dollars have to be expended, but the value you're going to give is uh, actually priceless. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. Uh, knowing your mom the many, many years I knew her, it's a blessing. Uh, just think about her and be appreciative of her. Uh, and tell me if I'm right or wrong historically on this, but uh, Mike lost his dad as a young boy. He was a young boy, three kids to raise, and she's an immigrant and learning English and cleaning houses. And I believe it was in Gross Point, a very wealthy doc doctor your mom worked for, your sister at 10 or 12 would go with her to that home and clean houses. Um, let me just emphasize again what Mike already shared. Very, very strong faith. Your mom and your family could have a strong faith, and family was prioritized. Those are key priorities. It's just interesting me to look, and I don't say this with joy. Many times in the affluence with which we all live today, our kids don't turn out so great. Materialistic, selfish, drugs, temptation, and struggles. And if I have this story correct, uh, tragically, the doctor's child struggled with real drug addiction and a lot of wealth the man had amassed in his life. Sadly, the son's life did not turn out to be very productive or fruitful. Yet you think about the woman, who we know is a dear godly woman of faith, who cleaned his house, raising three children with no dad in the home. Uh, those three children have gone on to do great things for the Lord, all three serving the Lord as lay people all over. You know Mike's story, his brother Alex, very successful in finance, working in Canada, wonderful, four girls, right, wonderful family, married, successful in business, successful in his family, successful in his faith, and your sister down in the Atlanta area, godly woman, raised her kids well, serving the Lord in the church. If I have the story right, the medical doctor who they, she was a little girl, 10 or 12, with her mom, cleaning that house, that man ended up in an Atlanta hospital with cancer. Here, the immigrant maid's daughter is giving expert care diagnosing related to the cancer he was struggling with. I could go a lot more into that story, but it just says so much to me about how important our faith is, how important our families are. And we want our kids to be successful in the Lord's eyes, amen? I'm not talking about wealth here. I'm talking about character, integrity, doing something productive with your life and serving the Lord. And I appreciate uh, your mom. I say that in the present tense so much. And uh, she had a lot of encouragement to me. It was when we came into the parsonage, she was one of the ladies with the bucket brigade cleaning. She was there scrubbing that parsonage, getting it ready for us. And after Michelle and I cleaned the parsonage, we were there 14 months. Pastor Chase was the interim pastor, and then the senior pastor, Art Boyma, came and moved in. We knew we'd be moving into a separate home. We cleaned that house like crazy before we moved out. The bucket brigade came back because we didn't clean it good enough, right? The same ladies to do the same thing for uh, the Boymucks as they were going into that home. Let me read you a scripture reading. I think many of you in the church are familiar with this story. I'm going to make uh, seven, and you hold me to this, seven one-minute observations each about this amazing story as we think about another godly woman. It's biblical to do what we're doing here today. I know many, many people think, oh, Mother's Day, where's that come from in the Bible? But he alluded to Proverbs 31, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband too. It's biblical what we're doing about our own moms and the ladies in our life and even this godly woman. 
It's a striking story in 1 Samuel chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 19. 1 Samuel 1, 1 through 19a. Follow along with me on the story, and I'll make a couple summary statements. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a zoophyte from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerom, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one called Hannah, the other Peninnah. Peninnah had no children, but Hannah uh, had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and could not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? This is to me the most uh, humorous part of this story because it's a tragic story. This is a man's view. Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? All the ladies in the room, please answer that question. Guys, our ego is bruised. No! Neurologists are discovering today, some, it's not in the text now, a woman's brain changes chemically at childbirth. Changes. Men want the same party life, right? What is up? These kids are here now. A woman's brain changes chemically. They can see it in neurological studies at childbirth. It's never the same again. I didn't say it was brain damaged. <laughs> it's improved. We love our spouses, right? Guys, to be honest, isn't there a different bond with your children? It's a special bond. It's real. Verse 9. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. She made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your, for your servant a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, 
may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. Remember, her prayer wasn't answered yet. She ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. Her prayer wasn't answered yet. Early the next morning, they arose and they worshiped before the Lord, and then she went back home. Her and her husband had relations. It was some time later in the story. We don't know how much longer that a baby was conceived and Samuel was born, and as they say, the rest is history. If you follow along in the notes, I'm just going to give you as a homework assignment, dig into the Old Testament, this first part. What's up with polygamy in the Bible? You'll notice in Genesis, and we won't read these first few verses, it was commanded in Genesis that one man would be together with one woman for one lifetime. That's true in the Old Testament, and in Exodus 20, 14, it actually is a Ten Commandment. You shall not commit adultery. One woman, one man together for one lifetime, and adultery is forbidden by the law of God. So, in Jewish history, it's true, they practice polygamy, not by God's design, not by God's commandment, by their own decision. And it's also true in Jewish history, it was usually just the king's the ruling elite, or like in this case, the very wealthy who actually practice polygamy. No jokes here. The common man couldn't afford more than one wife. I won't go any further on that, but it's true. Also, if you want to know biblical history about polygamy, just the facts, I challenge you, find me one good positive example of polygamy working out in the Bible. Bring one to me and show me. Every example in the Bible is of trouble, trouble for the family. Trouble for the nation. Think of King David. Think of Jacob before that. There's not a single good example. I challenge you to find one. You'll never find one. What's up with polygamy in the New Testament with Christianity? Look up those two verses in 1 Timothy. It's forbidden for Christian pastors and bishops and leaders. It's forbidden for deacons because you can quote back to me the verse. What is it? A pastor, a deacon, they shall be the husband of but what? One wife. Polygamy is forbidden in the church, clarifying and reinforcing the teaching of Genesis and of Exodus at the beginning. Well, here are seven quick lessons on prayer. Just fill these in. I just read you the story, so I'll make a very brief comment. Would you follow Hannah's advice? Follow Hannah's example. Would you pray to God, number one, in your times of deepest sorrow? Where do you turn? When your heart is broken, when your world is ending, would you turn to God? See, you can either curse God, deny God, reject God, or cry out to God. The two thieves dying on each side of Jesus had the same choice, didn't they? One cursed him. Talk about their final hour, their time of agony. And one prayed to God in their hour of need. Number two is very important. Um, some things should be expressed to God alone in silent prayer. Do you realize here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, this is the first example in all of the Bible to that point of a prayer being said silently. Prayers were offered in the public square, in the tabernacle, in the homes, out loud for the whole family. There's nothing wrong with public prayer in church. There's nothing wrong with family prayer together. But this is the first example in the Bible of silent prayer. There's a place for you to cry out alone to God about some of the deepest struggles of your life. Some things you can only tell to God. You may need a pastor, a counselor, a friend, your spouse, but some things 
You can only tell to God deep sins, deep struggles, confess them to him. Big problems. Number three, prayer should express the deepest desires of our soul to God. What are your deep desires, your big struggles? Tell him about them. Hannah did. Number four, would you pray in faith, believing? I'm not saying that name it, claim it kind of faith. God, give me a Cadillac or even 10 of them while you're up to it. God, give me this. God, give me that. I'm not talking name it, claim it faith. But pray your faith, believing this, trusting that God will answer it right his way. The Bible says, let your request be made known to God. So tell them to him honestly, but accept his answer. We'll get to that as we close in just a moment. Prayer should express the deepest desires of our soul. Pray in faith. Number five, pray in total surrender. This is the model of Hannah right here. It's the model of Jesus in the garden. You state your case. You make your claim. You offer it to God, but then you surrender your will to God's will. Can you do that in prayer? Number six, persist in prayer. You notice it with Hannah? Year after year, year after year, after year, after year. I have a godly family in the church I grew up in. This woman prayed for 40 years for her husband to come to salvation. All the years raising her kids. All the years raising grandkids. 40 years. He never stepped foot in the church we grew up in. He was right around the corner from it, except when the church burned to the ground. He and many other men in the neighborhood helped rebuild it, but he never worshiped there. As an old man going to Florida with his wife, he ended up going to church with her. He wasn't working anymore, and I guess he was tired of her beating him up. He got baptized after confessing Christ. This dear woman, families were very close to her. She prayed year after year after year for her husband to come to faith. She dragged six kids to church every Sunday all alone. A godly mother praying persist in prayer and prayer results in blessing well yeah hannah got a baby she gave him up to serve the lord after he was weaned she kept her promise she gave him up to serve the lord her baby samuel the toughest part about prayer is we go to prayer right now can you accept yes from the Lord? Oh, I sure can, yeah. Sometimes the yeses might not be all you planned for. Can you accept no from the Lord? You need grace for that. Can you accept wait? Isaiah the prophet said, those who wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Can you wait on the Lord? As every head is bowed and eye is closed, the band is coming up to lead us in a great closing song. I asked you during the morning prayer at the beginning of the message slot if you needed Jesus today in your life. I mean, you're chained, you're bound, you're struggling. You need his forgiveness. With every head bowed and eye closed, just slip your hand up where you are if you need prayer today to receive Christ for the very first time, to be set free, to become his son or daughter, to begin to do his will in your life. 
A lot of you are Christians in the room like me. It's Mother's Day. You may have a great family, uh, some good things about your family and some challenging things about your family. You may have a real struggle. If you need prayer for your spiritual life, prayer for your family today, just slip your hand up that you'd be the godly presence. As Mike mentioned, we can all pray. We can all show appreciation. We can all encourage, even in difficult situations. If you need prayer today for your family, slip your hand up. With every head bowed, God bless you and you and you. Yes, Father, we give you our lives. We give you our marriages. We give you our families. We give you our mothers. Many of them are already in heaven. We literally give them to you, thanking you for them, the gift they have been to us. So many of us are privileged to have our mothers still here. Many of us are privileged to have wonderful Christian wives who are mothering our children so well, too. We just say thank you, Lord for their influence. Thank you for their prayers. Thank you for their tireless serving. We just give glory to you for them, and we rise up to, we call them blessed, for our lives have been blessed, enriched, strengthened by them. Thank you, Lord, for your love you put in our hearts for you and for each other, and we ask that we would use our lives, the rest of our lives, to serve you, to serve you in your church right here at Hope, to serve you in our families, in our neighborhoods, the way these godly, faithful women serve. May we serve that way too. We give you praise and thanks as we surrender ourselves totally to you. All our prayers, we give them to you, trusting you with the answer, just like Hannah. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor George Johnson. Thank you for listening today. The Hope from Macomb and the entire world is Jesus. We pray that you commit your life to following Jesus. If we can help you in any way, either in coming to receive Jesus for the first time or in taking those important next steps in your walk with Christ, please do not hesitate to contact us. God bless you and keep you close to himself. The Hope for Macomb podcast is a ministry of Hope Community Baptist Church in Sterling Heights, Michigan. Visit us online at hope, the number four, macomb.com.